0: Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur podcast, episode 204. The RV Entrepreneur is a podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs, and on today's episode, I'm interviewing Tyler and Morgan from Copilot's Agency. Over the last few years, I've interviewed quite a bit of husband and wife teams who run a digital marketing agency from the road. Today's is a little bit different. They actually run a digital marketing agency in the death care industry. This is a space I don't know much about, but I thought it would be nice to release this episode after Halloween or right around Halloween. Halloween was two days ago, three days ago, something like that. So I thought that death care industry, Halloween <laughs> kind of goes hand to hand, I guess. Okay, bad dad joke. We cover a lot of different topics in this episode. How do you price an agency model? How to find industries that give you enough margin to actually go into them? How to sell your services? how to pitch your services to prospective clients, and why having the lowest pricing is never going to set you apart from any other business. Of all the topics that we cover in today's episode, probably the one that resonates with me the most is around pricing. This is something with Campground Booking that we're currently sorting through right now. As a SaaS company, there's so many different ways we can charge, transactionally, membership-based. There's just a lot of different ways that you can always kind of slice the same coin, and it can be intimidating sometimes to try to go out and get clients and compete on price alone. But what happens a lot of times is you end up in a race to the bottom as the lowest common denominator, and then you're effectively trying to compete on features, and it can just be a really exhausting process. So while we cover quite a bit in this episode, one of the things that I felt resonated with me a lot was just really digging into how Tyler and Morgan set up the pricing for their business and landed on how they were going to communicate and differentiate themselves from the competition. Today's episode is sponsored by ID Plans, and it's actually less of a sponsorship than it is really an opportunity. ID Plans is a software and service company based in Tampa, Florida, that provides solutions for property managers. Over the past 20 years, ID Plans has been able to hire a number of full-time RVers to help survey commercial properties, and they are looking to hire three to five additional teams over the next couple months. Here's a clip from Carolyn, who has been traveling with her husband across the country working with ID Plans.
1: Me and my husband have been traveling full-time together since 2016. The whole time we've been on the road, we have were always looking for a job to do something along the way to make some money, but still be able to have our freedom. We tried several different work camping positions and we realized that that was not a good way to make money. It was a great way to meet people, but the money was just not there. So we stumbled across ID Plans about a year and a half ago, and since we've worked for the company, it has changed our lives. We love working for ID Plans. We get to set our own schedule, and we get paid to travel across the U.S., it's such a great opportunity.
0: Over the last few years, I've seen a lot of companies hire RVers for different types of short and longer term jobs. And I can honestly say that this is one that almost immediately after getting trained, you can make a near full-time income while also still having another side hustle or business to do on the road. You'll receive training for their software, be able to park your RV right on the job sites, and run the entire operation from your RV. If you want to learn more, you can send an email to rvjobs at idplans.com. That is rvjobs at Tyler Morgan, what's up, guys? Thanks for being on the podcast.
2: Hey, thanks, Heath. We're really excited to be here.
1: Yeah, you, we're
2: <laughs> stoked. <laughs>
0: you remember when we met like 10 years ago in January?
2: <laughs> yeah, like ten, about uh, approximately 10 years ago. <laughs> I really, feel that much
0: older. <laughs> I was literally, when we just, right before I clicked record, I was thinking about it and, and I realized like we met you this year in January, but it really does feel like forever ago like the period of time before everything happened in march and stuff just feels like a lifetime ago
2: time warp exactly exactly (laughs) so
0: tell me i guess what was going on when we met up in march this year you guys were planning the transition to get into your rv had been for a while
2: (laughs) yeah exactly so we we bought our rig august 2019 so we'd pretty much been like living in it full-time i would say since then um even though we we still actually have like a rental house in Florida. So, but we, we were basically living in our RV beside that house. I actually put in like hookups at that house. So we kind of transitioned, you know, I guess slowly, like minimizing all our stuff and kind of fitting everything that we could into the RV, as well as like fixing up some stuff that was wrong on it and, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, but so we'd been kind of making that slow transition. And then, yeah, as far as the business stuff goes, I don't know the, this, the idea <laughs> th- what we're working on now has kind of moved so many different directions. It's kind of interesting. So,
0: so whenever you guys first started thinking about making this change, like what was going on and what were you guys doing?
2: So the idea of the full-time RV thing, we, we kind of started it actually, there was this really big hurricane that was kind of headed directly for our house. So that was Irma, which turned out to not really destroy anything i I think it hit as a cat one so it wasn't a big deal when it was originally predicted it was pretty much gonna like level our house so we were like well what are we gonna do as far as like a living situation like maybe we can like live in an rv for a little (laughs) while so that's where the idea actually sparked like three or four years ago so yeah Yeah, so
1: (laughs) i was actually listening to the rv entrepreneur podcast (laughs) while we were driving away from the hurricane i was like We could do that for a little while. Well, so the house didn't get wiped out, but Tyler was a full-time mechanical engineer. And then I was working at that time for a startup in Tampa as a marketing manager. So that's kind of like our backgrounds a little bit
0: so you're just I kind of thinking in the back of your mind okay even if our house does get leveled there's a silver lining we can probably figure this out and go live on the road like the people on this podcast are doing
2: <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah that was that was kind of this the start of the idea and then i guess you know we just kind of kept working with that idea in the back of our heads like slowly through time like how would we really do that um and what does that look like for me you know kind of a basically a big change because like I was a mechanical engineer which is a very I would say a pretty hands-on role even if you're in like the pure R&D design side like you're still having to like you know usually work with like physical objects you're not really like working online per se as much as you would think so that was kind of the big transition for me I was like I have to figure out a way to either like take this into like a consulting role or figure out something different that I can kind of adapt my skills to So yeah, that's kind of the, that's was kind of the challenge on my side of it.
0: (laughs) Was there any fears around kind of uprooting yourselves and moving away from friends and everything to go be on the road?
2: We actually moved to Florida after we graduated college, so... That was kind of like a little bit of we got we got our start by having that first like move away from home and I lived um, we actually graduated from uh, university in Nevada which is in Reno so we moved across the country so we were kind of used to having that a bit of an uprooting but still we like made friends in Florida and all that so that was it was a bit hard. Um, that transition. I don't think that's ever going to be easy.
1: (laughs) Well, but I think the interesting part about us, we hit the road in April of this year. So with the pandemic and all the craziness, a lot of the events that we wanted to do were either canceled or taken online. So (laughs) it's made it a lot easier to do that transition. Like our church went online. Some of our friends were meeting up for game nights online and stuff like that. So it made it a little bit easier to still be a part of those social circles, the virtual events happening now. So
0: At what point did it kind of become, let's, you know, we want to do this regardless of our house gets wiped out by a hurricane. Like, when did it become, this is something that we'd be really excited to do and and why?
2: I don't know. I kind of think about the, the main reason for us, I think, is like we kind of wanted to get out of, I guess, like the hustle and bustle of society a little bit. Like I was commuting pretty much before we started this journey. Like I was commuting almost an hour each way. So like that was two hours of my day that's gone. And, you know, I just kind of, I started to realize that a lot of the places that I actually like being are reachable in an RV. You can, you can really go so many places with even, even like our really big RV. <laughs> so um, that's kind of the the interesting part was I, I started to realize like all the things I like doing kind of revolve around this lifestyle somewhat. So like hiking, um, riding mountain bikes, things like that. And I was like, man, what if we could kind of combine these two things, uh, you know, a, a decent paying, you know. A job or really like you know business and then and then combine like just being able to go out your door and go ride your mountain bike so
1: (laughs) I think it was a slow process of us just trying to figure out how we were going to do it like we both have the entrepreneurial kind of fire burning in us and we were both working job jobs like jobby jobs um (laughs) so um we were trying to figure out how to make that transition and I think a big pivoting point that I just thought of was We did a startup bus, which is like an entrepreneurial competition where you actually get on a bus and you build a business in 72 hours. So this was completely crazy. And they drive you around the country and then you meet other buses up in the same area. But we teamed up. We couldn't get anybody else yeah, to no, come on our no one team. No one wanted to be on our team, I guess. <laughs> so we teamed up and we ended up like building this actual physical product and getting it 3D printed for the presentation 72 hours later. And we're like, we can actually build a business together. Like just us, we can do this. Mm. And I think that was actually a pretty big point where we were like, we we can work together and make this happen.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that was, I, I think, um, and we did really well in that competition too. So yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. What, was,
0: what was the product that you guys built?
2: So um yeah, at the time, it was, like, a kind of a newer, like, product, but basically, um, have you ever seen, like, clip-in pedals on, like, a mountain bike or road bike where your shoes, like, clip into them? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> so I'm a newbie I'll, Colorado. I'll, I'll give you the 30-second the pitch, I guess, but basically, um, these clip-in pedals are, like, mainly for, like, more advanced cyclists. It makes you, like, much more efficient. But the problem is you can't use like regular shoes with those pedals. You'll you'll like slip off of them and things like that. So basically what this did is adapt a clipless pedal into like a flat platform pedal that you can can just take your bike on like a casual ride with sneakers or flip flops or whatever you want. So it kind of gives your bike a lot more versatility. So it was kind of a specific product. But yeah, it was like kind of a, I guess, a newfangled idea, you know, a few years ago. Now they're pretty popular. But yeah, that was kind of the idea.
0: Did you try to take the product to market?
2: We we tried to. The the thing about it though was we, and this is probably going to be a lot of products out there, was we already found like kind of later on, found there was already people there like selling it for this ridiculously low cost. And it was, it probably would work almost as well as ours, but it was just kind of like, not like the market was already flooded, but we were like, man, is it worth dumping in, you know, the R&D time? And we we wanted to make it like in the US and things like that so it was like uh, i don't know is it is it too is it too easy to duplicate like um so that that was kind of where we, I guess, kind of stopped with the idea. We were like, uh, we got we got to a point where we were almost about to manufacture, and then we're like, I don't know if this is a good idea. So
1: We had a lot of other irons in the fire at that time, too. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> we had just started a pet sitting company at that time, and then we had also, I was starting um, marketing consulting as well. So we had a lot of stuff going on, and we were kind of like, uh, maybe we don't want to watch a product right now. That's a lot of upfront cost. So...
0: Yeah, so I, I'm interested to kind of hear in the journey that you guys went from realizing, hey, we're pretty good at working together. By the way, that sounds like an amazing event, the Startup Bus Weekend. I'm, I've yeah. never actually been to a startup event where you work on a business all in one weekend. But I actually think that at some point when COVID is okay and we can do it, that we should have kind of a startup RBE weekend you know, not specifically like Summit, but actually come start a business over the weekend for, you know, people living in RVs and stuff. That's a complete side note. I'm going to put it out there. If anybody wants to do it, just email me and we'll talk about it. I'm interested to hear about the process that you guys went through uh, during this time, because I know that you landed on your co-pilots agency, and you guys are kind of built a digital marketing agency working with funeral directors, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But I want to know, how did you kind of methodically go through this process? The reason I ask is there's so many people when they're trying to figure out how to get on the road, they have the entrepreneurial drive like you guys did. They have the excitement to travel and spend time in beautiful places, but it's figuring out what is the thing that I'm gonna do that's gonna be the vehicle. So can you kind of share the process that you guys went through to figure out where you are now?
2: I think, you know, like you said, Heath, having something that's able to be taken with you on the road So for us, and I guess kind of for everyone, that means being able to like manage, you know, it it remotely. So not having maybe like, you know, like a manufacturing company or something like that, right? That's kind of hard to take on the road with you, so to speak. So, you know, just in general, digital marketing is a very like mobile business. You don't really have, you don't have to have a, you know, a facility to work out of or an office. It's the industry in general is very widely accepting like of like you know remote work and things like that so even if you're like hey I just need a job a lot of digital marketing agencies hire people remotely so that's kind of like the one the big thing that we saw was this is very easy to do from the road and you can do it very well from the road there are some businesses that I think don't really fit fully with that so that's that was like probably one of the biggest qualifiers
1: Yeah. And my background was in strategic communications and marketing. So that kind of made sense. And then also he was, Tyler was looking at doing kind of engineering consulting, but the softwares that you have to have for that are a pretty big overhead. And then also all the different things that go into engineering consulting and the licensing and stuff didn't really pan out the way that you would think, I guess.
2: Yeah. Yeah. For me, I'm taking, taking basically my degreed skills You know, it's funny, because I use a lot of the same app, you know, the same like knowledge, I actually use that in digital marketing, because it's a lot of data analysis and things like that. Um, So I found it actually fit pretty well, because I like math. Um, (laughs) So, you know, just to start into say something like engineering consulting, um, you're talking thousands of dollars in software. And it's, it's, I think, a little bit more non traditional in that field to like reach out to people and like sell someone on a zoom call. Um, It's very normal to have like an office and someone comes into the office, like, you know, an architect, for instance, same mm-hmm. same sort of gig, right? So
1: yeah, so that's kind of where we started going with the marketing. And then we were working with a lot of different types of clients. And then the more we read different books, talked to different mentors, we were like, we need to kind of hone this in, right? So we need to hone in on just focusing on a specific type of person that we want to help and serve. And that actually, whenever we started honing things in, we were in our journey of the RVing process and getting ready to hit the road. And we're like, hey, we could probably help out RV businesses. We could do that first. And then, um, so we kind of started talking to RV dealers, right? And seeing if we could help them with their processes of marketing automation and ads and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, COVID hit and then the RV industry boomed and then just trying to keep RVs on the lots was hard for them to do. So they didn't even have anything to sell if they were running ads. So, <laughs> you know, that's kind of where we were falling in this, what, March, April, May of this year, we were really focused on helping the RV industry with our um, marketing knowledge and talents. And then we're like, okay, we've really got to shift this. We've got horrible timing right now. This is awful. Um, so we shifted to, um, we were talking to a few different types of industries, really service based industries. And we talked to a family friend of um, my family's, and he was a funeral director, and he kind of gave us some interesting insight into the industry and the challenges that they were having, you know, coming more into the 21st century. So that's kind of, I guess, the rough journey of how we ended up working with funeral directors now.
0: Yeah, it's kind of crazy to be trying to market something to people who are like, I I can't even keep this on the lot. Yeah, When you kind of going back a little bit, half the time, I mean, a lot of my days, I guess I've spent in some capacities of marketing with writing newsletters or whatever. But still half the time I hear digital marketing in my brain, it's hard for me to visualize what does that even mean? Because people use it in so many different terms. So when you guys say digital marketing, that you're that you're building a digital marketing agency catered towards funeral directors, what does that actually mean?
2: So what we actually do is we're doing, like, we'll do SEO and websites, which is search engine optimization. So that's basically making sure that their website shows up near the top of the search results, right? When someone searches, like, funeral home near me or something like that, that their website is found. We also do what's called pay-per-click marketing. So people might call that, like, Google ads or any – or actually, some people use this term SEM. So, but pay-per-click is obviously like, it's a paid advertising thing, but it gets you to the top of Google. So, um, really that's like kind of to, you know, for someone who's not very established, say kind of a newer business, that's like that kind of rocket fuel that you put on the fire. Just make sure that there's, you know, that people are seeing their website and that they're actually getting calls to their, to their, you know, to their funeral home. You know, beyond that, we do email and text message marketing and that's, That's a whole, a whole kind of, you know, genre in itself, really, but, but really, yeah, there's, there's a whole, you know, kind of facet of, of digital marketing and people, it's a very broad term, right? But that's kind of what we do is we do, you know, full service, you know, kind of almost like your local lead gen, really. So that's kind of, um, that's the idea behind it.
1: There were all sorts of people doing like digital marketing agencies, doing little pieces for each one of the people, but there wasn't somebody that was doing it all together. And that's kind of where we decided to make a comprehensive system that we call our care method that takes you know, every single piece of doing the different types of digital marketing that fit best, and then also um, making an, using marketing automation tools, too, to make it easier for people, so that's kind of, uh, you know, a little rough explanation, I guess, (laughs) of what we do. Yeah,
2: and um, I guess, like, that's kind of what we've seen. There's kind of this shift, like, if, you know, if, if people are, you know, listening to the podcast or, you know, thinking about getting into digital marketing, um, I'd say one of the biggest shifts that like, I guess I've, I'm researching that I'm seeing is that, you know, a lot of people like get these, they try to do do something specific, like say Facebook ads or something like that, right? So they'll just have a, a, an agency based around one type of service, which... Um, You know, we're starting to see a lot of these people. Basically, you'll keep a client for a few months, and then they'll leave or come back. So there's a lot of like churn, basically. So you're just going through a lot of clients and helping. You're helping a lot of people, but it's not like consistent. Um, I guess we're, you know, the we've seen like these really successful agencies. Like what they're doing is they're combining marketing services with also like a, uh, a software as a service platform. So you know, that's kind of that's kind of where I see it. I guess headed a little bit is you know, people that can really kind of do it all and as well as have like basically like a CRM system or some way to kind of combine everything in one place for the client to see.
0: So basically being able to take a SaaS tool in the funeral home space or funeral director space, I'm not sure if I'm using the right words there, and then combine that with your, yeah, so basically kind of using a data analytical approach. So I guess filtering it through my own brain, it'd be kind of like if you had a marketing agency for campgrounds, and partnered with a tool like Campground Booking and effectively said, hey, we're gonna take the data that we're learning through this CRM tool and use it to grow your business, something like that. Exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. something to that effect. And then at partnerships, um, you know, we've partnered with uh, social funeral fundraising and just different people in the industry that have really cool tools and then bringing those to our clients. So that's been a really amazing part of just breaking into what's been a new industry for us, but bringing the knowledge that we had prior Mm -hmm. and then figuring out what tools work best for people.
0: No, that totally makes sense. So before this, you guys were just kind of taking on general digital marketing clients. So they could have been a funeral home or they could have been an author or an RV dealer or anything. And it does seem like some agencies, there's so many different paths you can take with building a marketing agency. You could just go niche Facebook ads, you could go niche vertical or industry like funeral homes, or you could just say, hey, we're going to specialize in videography and then maybe go skill set based, but we're going to do, we'll take on any clients who want to hire us. So, I guess, what do you think are the advantages of going hyper? niche in the funeral home space and are you worried that would that be how do you know what's too niche i guess is what i'm saying
2: i would say and we we do have some people that are kind of they're kind of like almost like b2b clients in the funeral home space so they might do one kind of section of that is that's a good example is like transport and mortuary services so they to simplify that for the general public that's like all the back end work behind like putting together a funeral where the funeral directors, so they'll actually hire people to kind of do that for them. Um, so, um, Yeah, some, some funeral directors will do that. So we, we kind of go with the death care industry in general. We don't want to go like just, we just work with this type of funeral home in this type of area because I think that's too specific. I think the advantage really is, though, when you're in like a niche or just a particular vertical is that you get to learn what campaigns work. If you're doing just general marketing, like just kind of, you know, like if you're doing a plumber one week and like, you know, an HVAC guy, the next, and then a funeral home the next, like you don't really, you don't really have enough data to make an accurate decision on, Hey, you know, this type of campaign and this type of messaging works. So I I think that it helps you be more refined, um, but it's also more repeatable. That's kind of the the big thing for us like, just, I was, you know, this past week I was working on our onboarding process for our clients, which is not fully automated, but, you know, like, they're getting an automated email that has the same information over and over, because it's the same relevant stuff that they need to know.
1: Yeah, and I think, like, for, I guess, layman's terms, or to think about it more in a, um, I guess, real-life situation, it's like going to a cardiologist, like a specialist, um, you know, for a heart issue, you would go to a cardiologist, and, you because they know they've seen other characteristics and they can easily diagnose what, you know, just based off of what they've seen and their specific knowledge in that. So I think it's interesting to see, um, you know, just the trends that we see in the industry because we're in it so much. And I think that helps, you know, benefit clients. So if you're thinking about doing an agency, I think it's a really cool way for you to build your expertise in an industry. If you just focus in on, you know, one specific, specific type of industry or client. How
0: did you figure out a relevant pricing with an agency? Again, it, with, you can kind of go a lot of different models. And so where you? I, and I, I assume that it could always change, right, in the future as you grow or change your services and offerings and, and all of that. But how did you figure out how you were going to price your services?
2: So there is definitely like a lot of, I, I don't want to say it's like all publicly disclosed, but there's a general idea on digital marketing pricing our pricing model is really kind of based off like cost plus, as well as like a value pricing, it's kind of a combination of those. Obviously, we have costs to cover as far as like, you know, basically people to fulfill the ads, we have people that work for us to help fulfill the ads and kind of do a lot of the all the all the kind of work behind it, right. Um, So there's costs there. You know, also, there's a value to the client, right? You know, say like, A marketing service costs you $2,000 a month and they get you, say, $20,000 in business. You know, so that's like a 10x return, right? We want to kind of build in both like a cost plus model as well as like, hey, this is the average value that we generate a client each month and we think it justifies this price. So that's, I think, a a good general guide. You can do it a bunch of different ways. There's people that just do cost plus. They're like, hey, my costs are, you know, $1,000 a month you know and i'm going to make 500 bucks off of it so i'll charge the client 1500 or whatever
0: got it so for something that if somebody's wanting to build an agency in like the small business vertical space could be dealers i mean there's literally millions and millions of small businesses so what what do you feel is that kind of uh price point if you are doing a cost plus like monthly model is it something in the realm of $500, 1000 to $3,000 a month that on average small business, when I say small business, I'll say anywhere from seven figures and below. Like what is that price point that you feel uh, could make sense for a lot of small businesses for the ones that you guys have been talking to?
2: Um, I think it depends obviously on the services you're providing. If you're just doing like Facebook ads or something like that, or just like one type of digital marketing, I don't think you can justify like, you know, a huge cost, but I would say like minimum uh, for like, say an SEO service, you're probably talking at least a thousand dollars a month for someone that's good. Um, for someone that's going to do a good job. I think, you know, if you're going, if you're going, there's people that will always be below you because there's definitely like, you know, there is some competition from say foreign countries, things like that. So there's going to be people that bid, you know, there there'll will people that bid below you it's just what it is kind of you know yeah so were you
1: asking more of like if you're looking for a um you know like a niche to go into what their products that they're selling should be like their range of their products
0: I, I guess it was more so around if you're trying to build a digital marketing agency and go after small small businesses as a service, so whether that's email marketing, Facebook ads, you yeah. know, what is the realm that people are willing to pay? Because then you can kind of okay. work backwards from there and kind of figure yeah. out, okay, how many yeah. clients do I need? How many clients does that okay. make sense? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I think it it's going to vary a lot by industry. Let's just use the RV industry an example when an rv is sold there's a pretty hefty profit margin on top of that like they're still pretty rich i think they're making like and you can actually research some like say like profit margin per industry or something like that that's something we did Mm -hmm. when we got into the rv space well and uh yeah and and the funeral home industry too because they're not making much money um per sale they're not going to be able to pay for your marketing services plain and simple That's something that
1: we ran into with our pet sitting company that we had. We couldn't afford to run the ads that we needed because we didn't have the margin per product that we were selling, right? The lifetime value of the client didn't add up really to enough of being able to afford to do the digital ads. So it's not a good fit for every single type of business.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's not not going to be. The things that I guess I would look for is actually more on their side um, is profit margin per like sale. So if you're talking like boats and RVs, they're making say an average of 20% profit, you can kind of do the math in reverse to figure that out what they're actually profiting per sale. And you can say, Hey, you know, if I'm only costing you say, five, 10% to get that lead to your door, you can justify it, you Mm -hmm. know, so that's, that's how I think you actually sell any marketing service is through value you, you basically I, I actually pull out a calculator usually on my computer so like if i'm on a zoom call i just screen share a big calculator and i do like an roi calculation live there just to show them hey you know this this cost that i'm you know kind of proposing like it, it's easily justifiable by getting you basically two funerals a month or something yeah like absolutely
0: that. So, i think that's a great lesson in pricing because i think that's where a lot of people get hung up and also it's one of those things that I forget who told me this. I think it was my friend, Kathy Holcomb. She's a photographer. And she said at one point, I don't remember if it was on a podcast or she just said it to me, but way more people go out of business for charging too little than too much. And a lot of times we don't take the right approach to pricing. So thinking through, I think it's brilliant to think through before you pick a vertical, you might be really passionate about the RV industry or campgrounds, for example. But I know, for instance, a lot of campgrounds don't make great margins because they haven't optimized their pricing structure and things like that. So it's very rare that they'd probably be able to afford a digital marketing agency, you know, at least right out of the gate. And then thinking through your value proposition is a big one as well. So I love that. I think that's really good because you can, it's probably the biggest lever that you have in a business is your pricing. Like if you change your pricing and tweak it, you're talking maybe not just 2x, but 5x return potentially, right? It's a big deal.
1: Yeah, Yeah. that's something that we discovered. Our first business was the pet sitting company in the Tampa area. Was we learned that we weren't the we didn't go in as the lowest pricing. We had the eight year olds walking dogs for two dollars an hour, you know, down the street. (laughs) And then we also had ones that were very much more expensive. But we started in the middle, and then we started getting a ton, a ton of clients. And then we were able to raise our prices just minimal. Um, but once you have that loyalty and you prove yourself you can kind of you know work your way up to be where exactly where you want to be so go middle to start with and then
2: (laughs) go high (laughs) and and we justified our higher costs in that in the pet sitting business for instance like all of our uh all of our pet sitters were like, uh, we sent them to this like uh, dog CPR class or like, well, pet CPR. So they were all like CPR and first, first aid. aid trained. Yeah. And we all, we gave them like little bags with some basic first aid stuff. Like say if the dog, I don't know, cut his paw on something, they could patch him up real quick and, you know, call the owner. So we, we tried, uh, we knew in that industry that we'd never be able to compete with the bottom of the barrel pricing. So we just added value to justify why we were more expensive and if someone ever said why we were more expensive we gave them the reasons like we were plenty f- fine telling them why we were more pricey so um not to say we do the exact same thing here but i, I have i have had to do that on a sales call before because someone said hey you know i can get this for this amount of money and i'm like okay send me send me what they're gonna do for you and i'll tell you the difference, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah, I I, th- I love that. And there's two things that come to mind. One is I went to a retreat this past week with a bunch of founders and uh, a woman named Nicole there, she's the chief investment officer for Techstars and they've done like 2,300 investments. And we did a mock board board meeting and I pitched a problem that we were working through in our software business around pricing. And one of the things that she just straight up said to me and I need to hear it was, no company ever won or lost solely based on pricing. So if you think that you need to be the lowest cost provider, you know, you, that's something to reevaluate because it's probably not true. And on the other side, another piece of advice I got during our last fundraising process for Campground Booking was that a lot of companies think that they have to be the lowest cost provider. And a, a way to flip that is to actually to say what you just said, Tyler, which was, how can I, if it's not worth this amount, if it's not worth two grand or three grand a month right now, how can I make it worth that? Instead of asking, you know, like trying to be the lowest cost provider, saying like, what would make it worth that when you're talking to customers, right? Sounds Mm -hmm. like kind of that's what you guys did as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we actually coach our clients, the funeral directors on. We've actually had some of them. We're like going through our, you know, kind of our questionnaire, making sure they're a good fit to work for us. And we're like, you know, what makes you special? Well, we're the lowest one in the area. We're the lowest Mm -hmm. price in the area. And we're like, okay let's, let's keep going. Let's, let's figure out some more things that make you really special. Cause we want to pump those up, not necessarily rely on the pricing. Cause one thing that I learned whenever I was in a uh, entrepreneurship uh, school, it was my minor was he, he kept harping, my professor kept harping on these things. You can either be better, faster, or cheaper, and someone will always beat you on the cheaper. So you better figure out how you're going to be better or faster in your business. Cause those things are much harder to kind of undercut on.
0: Mm, I love that. That's such a good message. So let's let's transition a little bit. So you guys pivoted after COVID, went into the funeral home space. It's not a dead industry. I had to make one bad pun. And I'll keep going on from that. So y'all are in the space now, and this has been your first year in the RV full time. This has been kind of a back burner not necessarily backburnered, but a big dream that y'all have kind of been working towards, right? Like a lifestyle change. So how has it been this year for you guys traveling around, running this new business and working together and also, you know, figuring out where it's okay to park the RV that is not like a highly infected area? Like how has it, how has it been?
2: (laughs) So, um, I guess, uh, we, you know, initially, like, um, you know, there were kind of all the campground closures and things like that. No one really knew what was going on for the first yeah, guess, month or two, which was pretty hard. Uh, thank you, Walmart, for providing overnight parking in just about every small town that we stopped in. But, you know, <laughs>
1: not sponsored. Um, yeah, not, not, not sponsoring. <laughs> but it could be yeah. if anybody from Walmart. That,
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of a, you know, a struggle was like, kind of the planning um and i think that was like one of our biggest handicaps and things that i would i guess caution someone about when they're starting the whole full-time rv thing as well as a business um is really you got like i did not have a great schedule um and i i think that was the same for morgan like we didn't have a really good like schedule initially like hey this is the days we're gonna travel on this is where we're going and like having a better plan we were very haphazard and that really like handicapped us at first, you know, so that's the main thing I would advise out of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think what was interesting was we're enough go with the flow that we can, you know, we were able to kind of pivot our plans, but I think that was also kind of difficult for us um, as far as like starting the business at the same time that we were starting our RV journey. Not that we intended that to be the way it was, but that's how it happened. And um, we were able to go with the flow, but just finding out, you know, of course, you know, where we can dump at, And then Tyler worked really hard at all those and dedicating time to put together a plan for us.
2: I I specifically (laughs) started sitting down basically each week um, and just having like an RV trip planning kind of session where I would figure out, you know, hey, this is, if we're traveling between point A and point B, this is where I'm going to stop for fuel, because it's like cheapest there or something, and this is where I'm going to dump, and these are some of the campgrounds or BLM areas that we're going to go camp at, you know, and just having some contingencies, because, you know, like we, especially with the states being so varied during the whole COVID thing, like we went to Alabama, and they're like, welcome in, brother, like, have us, the site's right over there. our the kids were playing. No, like, you know, you go to a different state, oh, and yeah. they're just, yeah so even if you even if you thought you were good you might have kind of had to just skip over an entire state kind of quickly so
0: yeah what's your what's your favorite uh trip planning app or do you just use google
2: i kind of use a combination so i guess for like recording things and like trip planning i do use rv parky Mm. um i guess just for kind of i don't use that for like campground reviews as much i i really do like campendium I I did the little paid thing because it does give you the cell phone maps a little bit more conveniently. And again, that's like a a huge thing for us. If we didn't have good internet, we wouldn't be able to do our business really at all. Yeah, I I think kind of a combination of things kind of fills it all in there.
0: (laughs) No, it totally makes sense. And have you guys, because you have been getting a business up and running this first year, do you feel that you've had a, a good balance? Or do you feel that you're figuring that out?
2: We're, we're still refining it at first. I like looking back. No, we didn't like, it was like, just, it was like we would just fire up the RV and like travel to another location just kind of on a whim and like fill in the work stuff as we could. Um, and that wasn't good because I figured out that, you know, especially if you're driving, if you have a driving day, just cancel that entire day for that. Yeah. I, That's I my it's, advice.
0: <laughs> it's been still so many years and still every now and then I'll end up with a phone call or a meeting on travel days and it really does make the whole day stressful. It's like why do I ever think I can do that? No, I can't. You know, I end up <laughs> rushing into the campground, you know, like getting all hooked up and then taking a call. It's so dumb. Um, I don't know why I still do that, but has it has it been a big deal at all for getting new clients? Like a, a big fear that people have whenever they're starting a business is if if it's not a friend of a friend or somebody within your network that if somebody's coming in cold, and they aren't familiar with the digital nomad, you know, traveling lifestyle and an RV and why it's so cool, that they could be hesitant to hire you. Has that come up at all uh, within your business, or or not?
1: Um, I don't. Think so? I don't, I don't think so. We we aren't su- we don't tell people oh hey you know we're on this client call uh, just a preface we're RV we entrepreneurs <laughs> no we don't do that but if they ask us or if they say oh hey are you an RV we're like oh yeah that's that's what we do and this is how it is um so if they if they don't like that we haven't had anybody
2: yeah
1: yeah most of the time it's like we well, want to do that most of the time <laughs> it's the
2: opposite and yeah. they're like oh where are you traveling or like right um they're just kind of. Interested in it, it, it? I guess it provides a bit of intrigue. Um, I, I I would actually say it's I wouldn't really worry about it too much, um, unless for some reason maybe your industry is like super anti RV or like very very serious. I maybe if you were like trying to do digital marketing for I don't know like a local bank or something that's kind of a like financial industry is kind of serious. Maybe I wouldn't mention it, but overall I think most people are generally pretty intrigued by it. They're not necessarily put off
0: yeah no that that makes sense more of a fun question just because i'm curious what's the most fun thing that you've been able to do this year that when you did it you were just thinking yes this is why we decided to live in an rv
2: and travel oh man that narrowed it down okay (laughs) so we were we spent a decent amount of the summer in like uh wyoming and montana and this kind of that area um we got into fly fishing this summer so that was something we did we kind of bought all the equipment and waders and rods and everything and kind of got into it. It was this one evening we were out fishing on the Green River, which is like, um, we were up kind of in northern Wyoming near like the Bridger-Teton area. And that's a really like world-class fly fishing river. And we were just like seeing them hit all around you and you're just tossing flies at them, like just having a ball, just catching so many fish. And it kind of made me realize it dang like this is why we do this like we were working up until sunset almost and we're like we got to go out fishing for like an hour and then we just hopped in the truck went right up the river that we were camped next to to a few spots and we caught a bunch of fish so It was really fun.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. I I, I did get a fly rod this summer and I went out a couple times. I I am terrible, so I need some lessons. Uh, But (laughs) it it is very fun. It's very relaxing and it's in the river. And the best part about it is if you're bored, you can just walk out and leave versus like (laughs) the fishing I grew up on where you have to go out in a boat and it's a whole day. Uh, No, that makes a lot of sense. So just a couple uh, wrap-up questions uh, to kind of end it. Um, These are random, but is there a book that you've read this year that was a particular favorite and why?
2: Hmm.
1: I've got one that I I just read. Go
2: for for yours. I'm trying to think.
1: The Miracle Morning. I actually just Hmm. read it and um, I actually just got a Kindle. I got it on like the prime day and I'm super excited about it. So I downloaded that book first, but the Miracle Morning has been, it's really interesting. I like it because it's very applicable It gives you kind of like parameters for a very uh, successful morning routine versus a lot of books have changed the way that I've thought about things, but maybe not my actions as much. Mm. Um, So that one's been really good. And I actually started implementing the Miracle Morning this past couple weeks, waking up an hour earlier. So we're going to see how long that sticks, hopefully hopefully for a little while. It's working pretty well.
0: (laughs) Nice.
2: Yeah, I don't know. As far as books, I would have to... I haven't really, like, read one that, like, stands out to me as, like, the best thing that I've done this year or something like that. But I've done a lot of um, online courses around digital marketing. And I'd say, like, for anyone that's getting into the field in general, um, that I would definitely check that out. Like, check out HubSpot's courses. There's a bunch of, like, Udemy. There's a bunch of online kind of things. That's the more things I've been focused on is more like reading, like, honestly, course material and just kind of learning the ins and outs of it that's how I've been spending pretty much most of my free time too so
0: <laughs> well that's yeah, less exciting than fly fishing knowledge. but no, okay <laughs> uh no that's cool uh that totally makes sense for where you guys are at right now what's been your favorite campsite this year
1: oh I don't know I like Pinedale know. Wyoming a lot
2: yeah that was we, really cool we went to this one called Warren Bridge which is just north of this little town called Pinedale in Wyoming um it It was out of the craziness of like the whole Teton and Yellowstone thing this summer. Like if you were up there in an RV, (laughs) God bless you because it was a, it was a zoo up there. But anyways, we were just South of that, like maybe an hour or two. And this little like BLM campground that was like 10 bucks a night, maybe, or five. It was super cool. They had a dump station right there in water and it was right on the river. So you could walk out with your fly rod and just go fish in the afternoon or whatever
0: yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> That's awesome. And last question, what do you feel is the biggest thing that you have just learned this year?
2: Man, I I think be agile and be adaptable. We had to roll with some punches, like no doubt about that. So you have to kind of just be willing to take it in stride and don't be afraid to go out and fail. I know someone what was that one of our mentors told us this quote like go out and break things like you know we'll figure it out on the way down like so <laughs> move um,
1: fast and break yeah, things yeah move move fast
2: <laughs> move fast and break things you're going to mess up an ad campaign every once in a while and it's not going to work perfectly or or that's just an example but that's going to happen with any business and I think just going out there and trying That's been the biggest lesson for us because once you're, until you're actually out doing something, you don't know what's going to be like the next big thing or like what's going to help you get to the next level. It's not revealed to you until you go out and kind of just try.
1: Yeah. A metaphor of that would be your RV has to be moving for you to actually be able to steer it. So Mm. that's (laughs) kind of how our, our 2020 has been going. We're just moving in a direction and we're getting steered to the, where we need to be
0: i love it uh well thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast if people want to follow along uh for y'all's journey where's a good place to connect online
2: i think probably the best place is uh you know just find us on facebook tyler and morgan baumgartner we are pretty much most responsive on there yeah i think that's probably the best place to connect is
0: just through facebook yeah can we get your license plate number and we'll just post your location on our <laughs> <laughs>
2: Our, our rv is very distinctive we we have really? an old um we have an older for travel so it's like a custom painted like motor coach so it's got these weird like you know um we have a giant like mural on the back of like a oh, nice. so <laughs> so if you see so, us say hi yeah, it's honk.
0: <laughs> well thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast it was great talking to y'all yeah thank
1: you Heath. thank you
0: Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the RV Entrepreneur. Make sure and hit up Tyler and Morgan on social and just tell them what's up. Hope wherever you are, you're having an amazing day. Also want to say one more quick thanks to ID Plans for sponsoring today's episode. If you want to learn more, you can go to our show notes page at heathandalessa.com if you're interested in one of the jobs that ID Plans is currently hiring for, which I would absolutely recommend you check out. Thank you so much again, and I'll see you next time on the RV Entrepreneur podcast.